going to read chapter 19 of the detectives and Tilda show. Here I go. Where? The others cried. And they were making a dash at the window when Antonius warned them back. Keep down so he won't see you. They ducked down to the floor, crawled to the window, and then peered consciously over the sill. Chantibus, too, hugging the wall, had made his way to the window. Where do you see him? he asked. Over there, Antonius whispered. On the other side of the street was a short, fat man who was walking rapidly in the direction of the forum. He was wearing a cloak with a hood which he had drawn over his head. How do you know? How do you know it is Tellus? Musius asked in a low voice. I recognized him right away, Tellus said. His hood blew off for a moment, and then I saw his bald head and the scar. I swear it's him. He glanced over there too, but he didn't see me. Probably he is going to visit Lucas, Shantipus murmured. But Tellus walked past Lucas' house and stopped three further down the street in front of a bakery. He turned around, took a long look at the Shanta school, and then vanished inside the baker's shop. He's gone to buy some rolls, Flavius exclaimed in in amazement. Shantipus hobbled to his bed, then sat sat down on, on it and began rubbing his leg. In straightening up from the floor, he had moved too quickly to hurt himself again. The boys gathered around the con- in the concern, but the pain seemed to ease up. Then their teacher gave them his vigrant. Millionaire does not go out himself to buy rolls, he said. In fact, he hardly goes anywhere without his slaves and hangers on. All his... All this is very suspicious. Raps Tellus has discovered uh, the disappearance of the cloak and the chain and is going to confer with somebody here. Meeting the red wolf, Antonius exclaimed. Shantipus shrugged. Whoever it is, it would be interesting to find out what is he doing here. I'll run over and look. Musa suggested. No, Shantipus said. It would be it would be dangerous for you to go alone. A concerned criminal criminal will will stop at nothing. It is better for all to go together. It is better for you all to go together. Then there are six of you. You are much safer, but stick together all the time and be careful. If you are threatened, get out. I don't want any foolish heroism. Heroism. 
Musius Antonius Caius and Julius ran off wild with enthusiasm. Publius followed them with a mocking expression. He thought nothing would come of of this whole undertaking. As usual, Flavius brought up the rear. The cloudburst had turned the roadway into a rushing steam. The boys hopped across by the way. They raised blocks of stone, which were placed in the Nord roadway at the regular intervals, making a bridge from one sidewalk to the other to use of pedestrians during just such storms as this. They raced down the sidewalk and charged into the bakery like the Persians into the pass at the Theampoli. The baker, who was busy kneading some dough in a trough beside his oven, looked up in astonishment. Hey, have you kids gone crazy? He asked good naturally. Are you planning to conquer Carthage for the second time? Or is school out? He knew the boys very well, for they were good customers of this. They always came around during the breakfast, breakfast recess and bought piles of rolls and stacks of cookies. Tellus was nowhere in sight. The boys went all over the shop looking for him while the baker watched them in wonder. Whatever became of that sort of fat man who was in here a while ago? The one in the hooded cloak, Mises asked. The baker laughed. Oh, him, he replied, pointing to a door in the back of the shop. He just went out through there. Why? What is he doing there? Julius and Mises burst out. He's a queer bird, he is, the baker said. He, he, he pulled the dough free from his arms and hands, tossed it back into the trough, and began kneading it again. He comes, though, here three or four times a week, comes in front of the door, and goes out of the back. Why? The boys chose. The baker shrugged. Jupiter knows, he said in in defender. In, in indifferently, and that's all you know about him, Mrs. Crest. Absolutely, the baker assured him. I don't ask him any questions. What do I care anyway? He he pays me a hundred sesterces a month for the right to go through. I bet if he counted up his money, he'd have more than all the rolls I've ever baked in all my life. Once I made a mistake and asked him, Hey, you in the hood, where 
Where in the world do you go to? And you and do you know what he did? He he up and drew a sword from under his cloak, glared at me like the Heliod Caribus, and said, "If you value your life, don't think about it." Since then, I haven't thought about it. I do value my life, even though I have to support a hundred sisters a month. Eve isn't thick enough. The boy stared at the back door. Then does he come back? Julius asked. Back? The baker repeated. By Pluto, he never comes back. He comes in at the front, goes out at the rear, but never returns. Musius went slowly towards the back door. Where does this lead to? He asked. Nowhere, Baker replied. That's the end of the store. He must. He, there must be something. Musius said, pushing the doors open slightly. You'd better not stick your head out," the baker called to him. "First thing you know, he'll chop it off with that that sword of his." But Musius showed no sign of fear. He opened the door further, leaned forward, and looked out to both sides. The others came up behind him and squeezed into the doorway, trying to see also. Before them, in the gray twilight, lay a bare courtyard. About ten or twelve yards away rose a high wall. Beyond that must be the field of Mars. For over the top of the wall, they could see crawl crowns of cypress trees swaying in the wind. On their right, on their right, the wall of the next building projected so that they could not see where the yard ended. We ought to have a look around that corner at any rate, Musius said. No harm in that, Julius murmured. Come on, Musius said. They pulled their togas over. They pulled their togas up to cover their heads and stepped out into the rain. Peering around the projecting wall, they saw. Um, they saw that the yard intended as far as a high, massive building that stood at an angle. To the other houses, there was no one in sight, and the boys boldly pressed forward. They stayed close to the walls of the buildings, paying no attention to the deep puddles. There could, where could Telus have vanished to? The low houses enjoying the breakery. And neither doors nor windows in the rear. Tellus could not have entered any entered any of them. 
But then they came to a tower-like building made of heavy square stones, reaching high uh, up above the one, and two-story shops. The boys realized at once, and uh, at once, that this was Lucas' house. To the left of it was the massive identifies of the Baths of Diana, the only be- the only other building around here of the same height. Between the two buildings yawned a narrow, dark gully. From Lucas' house, a rectangular spot of light fell across this space upon the wall of the Baths of Diana. There's a door open in Lucas' house, Julius said softly. Wait, Antonius whispered and he crawled forward on his hands and knees as far as the edge of of the splash of the light. Then he flattened out on his belly and squinted over the threshold. He withdrew his head hastily and crawled backwards to them. Tell us this in here, he reported. What is he doing, Mucius asked. Nothing. Where's Lucas, Flavius asked anxiously. I didn't see him, Antonius replied. What's the next step? If the boys crossed in front of the door, tell us would certainly see them. They started in the symphony into the dark gully, but but not daring to go forward and unwilling to go on the back. Then they noticed several thin rays of light in the wall about halfway between their observation post and the door. Mucius crept over to his light. Then he beckoned the others to follow him, but he held a warning finger in his mouth. The light came from a window over which heavy boards had been nailed. Then there were cracks between the boards, and the boys pressed their faces against the wet wood and peered through. The window was also projected with iron bars but they could see directly into the big vaulted room in which they had been received by Lucas. It was darker than it had been when they last saw it, for there was no fire in the fireplace, and and the horrible masks on the pillars were not lit up either. A dim lantern was burning on the table at which Lucas had sat. The ceiling was distant, corners of the room were shouldered in a dense in dense shadows. On the table the boys spotted the basket of snakes, but it was covered over with a cloth. Next to it lay a short sword with a wide blade. 
Talos was sitting on a hazard and whipping the rain from his face. His cloak lay on the floor beside him. He seemed to be waiting for something. For now, he and then he tilted his head to one side and listened intently. He's waiting for Lucas, Flavius breathed. But suddenly, Talos jumped up, crossed the vaulted room rapidly, and vanished behind a curtain which hung across the night on, in one wall. There's another room, Kaya said. Lucas is probably in there. Mucius declared, on the red wolf, or the red wolf, Antonius said. If only we could hear what they were saying, Mucius said impatiently. But Tellus and Lucas remained remained behind the curtain. The boys could hear someone talking, but could not make out the words. I'll sneak over to the door and listen, Mucius said. I'm coming too, Kai's volunteer. So am I, Antonius said. Shantipas told us to keep together, Flavius complained. All right then, and Mucius said. We'll all go. Take off your sandals. If we make the slightest noise, we, we're done for. Stick close behind me. If I call, watch out. We all make a dash for it. Though the baker, the bakery, remember, they slipped their sandals off, made a small heap of them next to the wall, and stole up to the door. For a while, they stared into the vaulted room. It remained empty. And Mucius led the way across the threshold. They walked on tiptoe, placing one foot ahead of the other very slowly, balancing himself with his arms. Every so often he paused and stood motionless, listening. The others followed his example. At last they reached the curtain and remained standing in front of it, holding their breath. From behind, they could hear a mysterious, tinkling, metallic sound and a hoarse voice murmuring, 100, 200, 300. Musius moved the curtain aside ever so slightly and found himself looking into a cellar-like chamber. The, it, the windowless stone walls glistened with dampness. On a small table stood a flickering candle that had almost burned down. Tellus was nowhere in sight, but Lucas sat on his back to the curtain. Mucius recognized him at once by his long, dirty yellow hair and the black cloak with, with the silver stars swung on it. The soothsayer was busy counting heaps of gold pieces which were stacked up on the table. As he finished with each stack, he pushed it into a bag. He was completely as robbed in, uh, 
what he was doing and went on murmuring, 400, 500, 600. But suddenly he stopped and whirled toward around the curtain. His face was not painted black and white at this time. Instead, he wore a clay mask, mask tied over his face, the kind worn by actors in the stage. For a while, he stared fixedly at the curtain and then jumped to his feet. Frightened, Musius let go of the curtain. Watch out. Watch out, let's run, he whispered sharply. Flavius was the first to move. He shot towards the door as if he had been catapulted. But he tripped over a tight string and stretched across the floor and fell towards on his face. Immediately the back door banged shut. The boys threw themselves against it in despair, tugging the po- and pulling, but in vain. Don't bother, a hoarse voice said. You won't get o- it open. Lucas had drawn the curtain aside and comforted the boys. They could see his eyes glittering evilly behind the clay mask. With clumsy footsteps, he slowly approached them, and the boys instinctively moved closer together. Flavius was still stretched out on the floor, not moving. Either he... Either he paralyzed by fright or playing dead. Lucas went up to the fallen Flavius, stooped with a groan, and pulled the boy by the hair. Helped! Help! Flavius screamed piercingly as he sprang to his feet like a flash and fled towards his friends. Lucas gave a short laugh. Then he sat down on the hassock, folded his arms, and said menacingly, I knew you were coming. You fell into the trap. This time you won't escape me. If you do anything to us, I'll tell my father, Caius said. You will never have the opportunity to tell your father anything again, Lucas replied. A chilled silence followed. Finally, Musius cleared his throat and said somewhat hoarsely, We don't want any trouble with you. We saw Tellus going in here. Tellus is not here, Lucas said sharply. Isn't he in there? Musius ventured, pointing to the curtain. Tell us has gone home, Lucas said. A door in here leads to the side to the side street, but his cloak is lying here. Is lying there, Julius said. For a moment Lucas stared at the cloak lying beside the hazard. Then he croaked. He was in a hurry to get home. Let us go home too, Flavius cried in a shaky voice. Oh no, Lucas said. You have no right to keep us here, Julius said in 
defensively. You have no right to come spying around here, Lucas replied mockingly. People who pry into dangerous places must expect unpleasant unpleasantances. We are not afraid. We are Romans, Musius said heroically. Bravo, my son, Musius. Lucas chuckled. You have no need to be afraid. I'm not going to hurt you. That sounded a good deal of pleasanter, and the boys breathed easier. Perhaps Lucas was not as bad as he pretended to be. You mustn't put a spell on us either, Antonius. Antonius said, I know a lot better a wizard than you. He'd take a spell off right away. I don't, mm, I do not bother with enchantments, Lucas said tartably. I can only see things that are hidden from other people. That is how I know why you are here. You are looking for a desecrator of the temple. You think he is Tellus. The boys were taken aback. Lucas not only had second sight, he could even read thoughts. Musius nodded assent. We don't know for sure that it is Tellus, he said, but we suspect him. Perhaps he he was uh, the Red Wolf. Do you happen to know who the Red Wolf is? Lucas sat as though stunned for a moment. Then he suddenly jumped to his feet, waved his arms wildly, and screeched in fury. There is no Red Wolf. Tellus is innocent. I am the desecrator of the temple. I alone. So that was chapter 19. Bye, guys. See you later. See you later. See you later. See you later. Bye, guys.